Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, I uh, decided a few weeks ago that we were not going to launch. We had been going through Matthew. And I thought, okay, before we go back to Matthew, I thought I would do one more series. Because I think it really, hopefully, will open your eyes and your heart to what God wants to do with you. We're going to do a series called The Greater Whole. The Greater Whole is talking about the church. You are, let me just go ahead and say this, you are the greater whole. Now, as I say that, immediately, some of you are going to disqualify that statement in your mind. Because maybe you are a product of church. What do you mean by that, a product of church, George? Well, maybe you've gone to church all your life, or you've been in church long enough that the culture of church has influenced you in the way that you think especially the culture of church has influenced you and how you see yourself and even influenced you into thinking what you can and cannot do for the Lord and what you can and cannot do to be a part of the church. And I'll be flat out honest with you, that is a very real issue. Very real issue. We think our worth And the value that we have with God is based upon things like that. Like what? Well, you're haunted by, listen to me, you're haunted by a mistake. A bad decision. A sin. So when you think in terms of serving the Lord because you love him, and think in terms of being a part of the greater whole, you in your mind have relegated yourself to, I'm just in the cheering section, because I'm not in the active section, because I've disqualified myself. And can I, can I be honest with you? Church for years communicated that in such a way. What do you mean? Well, okay, I can remember when I first got saved. I've been a believer now for 30 years. When I first got saved, there was a big issue in a church even then, and, and boy, how long, much longer was it before that about being a divorced person? And if you were a divorced person, we just kindly wanted you to come and take a seat and put your, at least put your offering. That's all you can do is put your offering in the plate. And, and a lot of divorced people came and they were like, I'll never be able to be used from the Lord again. Now let me just stop for a moment. Where did that all come from? Well, there are certain positions in the scripture that require a person not be divorced. But for mostly, there's only a few positions. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I don't find too many of you wanting to be pastors. Do you know what I'm saying? <coughs> So, where did that come from? Well, we can talk about that some other time. We're not going to talk about that today. But what I want you to see is how you see yourself can affect you being a part of the greater whole. 
And what we want to do over the next few weeks is talk about the greater whole and where you fit. Because you fit. You fit. Now, here's what's going on here. Look, we've got some wrong thinking. And I want to address the wrong thinking here. First of all, we think of the church as a service to attend. Now, if we're going to talk about the greater whole, we've got to address right off the bat some very wrong thinking. And the wrong thinking is this, is that church is the one-hour service that I attend on Sunday. And maybe something special some other time, like maybe Christmas Eve service. But here's what I want you to see. Church is not, never is communicated in the Bible in reference to a service. That's not the church. Whenever you talk about church in the New Testament, listen to me, it's always, it's always with reference to a group of people. In fact, let me just stop for a moment. I'll give you a a New Testament lesson here this morning. What we see in the New Testament that is translated church is actually the Greek word, are you ready for this, assembly. Now, what's an assembly? Is it one person? Is it a service? No. It's a group of what? People. That's what a church is. Church is more than just a service. Now, here's the thing. If you think of church as just simply being a service, then you can sit here and you can say to yourself, well, there's nothing I can do. I can't play guitar like they play guitar. I can't can't do the bass like Mike does the bass, and I can't sing like Brad, and I sure don't want to preach like George. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's nothing else. Maybe they might let me take the offering. So there must not be anything else for me. I'm not a part of the greater whole. See what happens when we think of it just as a service, but the problem is that's not, church is not the service. Church is the people. Folks, you are the church. We've got to get that wrong thinking out of our mind. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Second thing, many believers struggle with seeing how they fit in church. Many believers struggle with seeing how they fit in church. Now listen, this is what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about where you fit. And I'm going to say this right now. I want you to hear me. God gifted you. He gifted you with gifts to be used in the church, and you fit. And we're going to look at that in the next few weeks. We're going to talk about something else today to prepare us for that. But you need to understand you have been gifted. And But most of us are like, where do I fit? What do I do? All of us have a role. All of us have a purpose. In fact, we're going to talk about that purpose here in a moment. So in order for us to get to the place where we understand where we fit, in order for us to get to the place that we understand that we are more than just a church service, we've got to lay a foundation. We've got to build on something. We've got to have a solid base to build our understanding on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we've got to tear down, we've got to tear down wrong thinking. 
What do you mean by that, George? Okay, let me just stop for a moment. If everybody had a mirror right now, we don't have a mirror. Maybe you have a, maybe some of you ladies have a pocket mirror with your, with your stuff you put on your eyes or something or lipstick or whatever, okay? But the guys, we don't have a mirror, okay? You know, unless you wanted to do a selfie with your phone, okay? But if you, if you took a look at who you are right now, if you really took a look at who you are, and nobody else knew what you were thinking. What would you say about yourself? I just want you to think about it. What would you say about yourself? How do you view yourself? What do you see? And the chances are that how you see yourself is influenced by church culture, by family culture. What do you mean family culture? How we view ourselves is sometimes viewed a lot by what our families say about you. We see ourselves in a different way. But here's what I want you to do. What we're going to do is we're going to try to wipe away all of that to find out where we fit in the greater whole by laying a foundation of understanding who you are. So I want you to notice we're just going to look at two verses. Two powerful verses. In 1 Peter chapter 2, look with me at verse 9 and 10. Here's what the Apostle Peter writes. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Two verses. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to talk about two different things today to build that foundation so that we can understand how we fit into the greater whole. We're going to look, first of all, at our identity. This verse... Verse 9 tells us so much about who you and I are as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, you're going to have to listen. Three things come out. And then we're going to see, in verses 9 and 10, our purpose. Why it's important for you to be a part of the greater whole. You're going to see what your purpose is. Every single one of us here has a purpose. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have a purpose. And it's not just to fill a seat in a pew and give. It's so much more than that. Okay, so let's talk about our identity. If you don't mind writing in your Bible, you got a pen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to underline these phrases. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Now, out of those four phrases, we're going to come up with three things about your identity. Here, I'll say them again. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. What are those three things? Here's what your identity is. Very first one. A chosen generation. Here's what I want you to see. 
God specifically chose you for this time and this place. God specifically chose you for this time and this place. I want you to hear me. It is not by mistake that you live where you live. It is not by mistake that you work where you work. Well, it's the job I got. It's the only thing available. Look, a lot of, that may be the ultimate factor, but that's where God puts you. You need to understand. You are not, first of all, how many of you chose what family you grew up in? I know sometimes when you're a teenager, you wish you were in another family, but how many of you really chose what family you were born in? Nobody. All right? How many of you chose your hair color? Oh, excuse me. I know that can... uh, I can't even say eye color because you can get those lenses now, right? I can't even say skin color because you can spray the tan on, all right? But you know what I mean. There are things in your life that you have no control over. And I would say to you, listen to me, that you are where you are for this purpose, a special purpose. God has a special purpose for you. He specifically chose you. What does that mean? It's not a mistake that you came to Jesus Christ in faith. That just didn't happen by chance. That the Holy Spirit would give you enough understanding that you would realize that you need Jesus and accept him as your savior because he's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan. There is a special reason. In fact, listen to this. This is the testimony of King David. Everybody know who King David is? Shepherd boy, wrote the 23rd Psalm, king of Israel. Listen to what Acts says about David. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. What's he saying there? I think this is what you and I need to grasp. David served his own generation according to the will of God. Why? He was put there in that time to serve his generation. Listen to me, folks. You are here. Right now, little old you, with whatever job you have, my job's not that important, fine, may not be important to you, but it fits in the plan of God for this generation. I had an interesting discussion with my two oldest kids this week. I went to a conference out at Cedarville University, and we were having dinner together, and I was trying to explain to them, because somehow, you know, I... I I'm getting older now, and I'm starting to realize that we have to be careful what we say to young people because we can confuse them about life. And, you know, so often that we hear is, oh, you could be anything in the world. You just choose it. You could be anything. You ever heard that telling young people? You maybe have told them. I've told them that. You could be anything. That's true if God is absent from the world. Because sometimes God chooses for them to be places that they wouldn't necessarily choose for themselves. So I said to them, I said, you know, the rhetoric that I grew up is be a young champion for Christ, do, you know, do whatever for the Lord. And I said, that actually was a curse to me because God never gave me the opportunity to be this young champion for the Lord. But here's the thing. Is there something wrong with God? No, there's something wrong with my thinking. 
God didn't want me going out building a kingdom. Actually, it's like this. You know, the tallest high-rise we have around here is a three-story apartment building. But if you and I were to go to New York City, and we would see them building a skyscraper there, and they got the big cranes and everything, you and I would know that there's an architect who is in charge of the whole project, right? And so he has in mind what needs to happen with this building, project manager, and he's trying to build this whole thing. And so what he does is, is he hires subcontractors to do certain jobs to build the whole thing. So he's got crews who, who do nothing but plumbing. He's got crews who do nothing but air conditioning. He's got crews that do nothing but installing windows. He's got crews that do nothing but doing the drywall. Got carpet layers. You name it. I said to the kids, I'm the guy on the 65th floor installing toilets. In God's plan of the kingdom, which is the skyscraper, I'm the toilet installer on the 65th floor. I'm helping build the skyscraper. That's what you need to get in perspective. You were chosen wherever you're at. If you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're working whatever job you have, and you may not think it's significant, you need to quit thinking of it in terms of what the world says and think of it in terms of what God says. I put you where you are for a purpose. I chose you specifically for this time and this place. You are a chosen generation. Do you understand me? Quit viewing yourself in terms of something else. View yourself in terms of what the Bible says. You're a chosen generation. That's the first phrase. Here's the second phrase. It's actually two parts. It seems like two different things, but it's actually the same thing. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, let's just stop for a moment. A royal priesthood talks about the priesthood is are servants of God. Servants of God who serve him. A holy nation. Holy means a separateness. Again, talking about a nation, when you talk about a holy nation, you think of Israel, they were to serve the Lord in this world. So again, we're talking about service. Here's the second thing I want you to understand about your identity. You are God's servants who are set apart to serve him. You are God's servants who are set apart to serve him. What in the world are you talking about, George? Here's what I want you to understand. I want you to get this thinking out of your brain that you coming to faith was just just whatever, not, a, not an issue, not, it's not important. No, it's important. You coming to faith was because God chose you at this point. He worked in your heart, brought you to a point where you accepted him as his Savior, and he wants to use you. He sets you apart from everyone else in this world, in this culture around us to serve him here. Now, here's the thing. We start thinking in terms of serving him. Does that mean I've got to walk around with my Bible? Does that mean I've got to talk to Holy Joe talk? No. You're missing it. If that's what you think service is, you don't understand why you're here. In fact, we're going to talk about service here in a moment when we talk about our purpose. But the fact of the matter is, is he chose you to be, what? Servants who are separated for him. You are someone for him. In fact, he even emphasizes it now in the fourth statement, which is our third point here. Look at the fourth statement. His own. Notice that word, his own. Talking about possession there. Special people. 
Here's what I want you to see. You are special to God. All right, I want that one to sink in. All right, I want you to stop for a moment. I want you to repeat after me. I only want to do this once. I am special to God. That's what I want you to say. Are you ready? I am special to God. Now, do you believe that? You need to. You need to. Now, some of you, you're going to be like, well, you know, I said it, but I don't believe it. Because, you know, George, when I think about my life, I think about what I did and how I messed up and what my mama said about me and what my coach said about me or what that preacher said about me and what this person said. Listen, hold on a second. Who's got the credibility here? What they say about you or what you say about yourself or what God says about you? Who's got the credibility? So wake up. Seriously, wake up. Your value with God has nothing to do with what you've done before or how you failed. Your value with God, listen to me, has to do with what Jesus Christ did for you when he died on the cross and he paid the penalty for your sin. You did not do anything to deserve that love. You did not do anything to deserve that forgiveness. There is no way in any way that you could ever affect what he did for you. He did it for you on his own in obedience to the Father. So why in the world would you allow your failures to dictate how God sees you? He sees you based upon what Jesus did for you. You're a special people. Do you grasp the thinking? If you start embracing that, you'll begin to realize that you've got a place in the greater whole. Now, these two verses, I think, are wonderful. They tell us these three things, but they're going to tell us three things. I think it's significant here. Three things about what our purpose is. Three things about what our purpose is. I think the very first one is really, they're actually praises. These are to be three praises that come out of us. Three things that excite us because what God did for us, how he sees us. So I want you to notice with me. Look at verse 9. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's the first thing I want you to see. We're to praise him for taking us out of the darkness. Listen to me. You are here and you say, you know, George, there was a time... I can remember the time when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I committed my life to follow him. I recognized who he was. And I understood the forgiveness of Christ. And I embraced what he did for me. And I I got saved. At that moment, listen to me. At that moment, he took you out of darkness and put you into light. He freed you from whatever ensnared you before. Now, you maybe have entangled yourself back in it again, but listen to me. He freed you from whatever he enslaved you with before, and he made you a new person. He took you out of darkness and put you into light. Is that not exciting? Because, listen to me, before Jesus, without Jesus, your identity is tied up in your failures. Your identity is tied up in your family background. Your identity is tied up in things that you have no control over. Is that not true? 
And so many times we think in terms of our usefulness to God based upon what everybody else is saying. But listen to me. The praise that should come out of you is is that because of Jesus, he took me out of darkness and put me into light. And now who I am and my identity and how I see myself is not based upon all that stuff. It's based upon what he did for me. Do you understand? Is that not awesome? So many times we come in here and we're weighed down by our failure. And it doesn't need to be that way. Is that not the words of the last song we sang? That was the basis of the song we just sang. Lord, how far is the east from the west? Why would we sing a line like that? Because he said he removes our sin from us as far as what the east is from the west. Now, I know in Kerwinsville we do things different and east meets west up on the hill here. East Street crosses West Street. What, I mean, whatever. Who, who in the world, I mean, what were they thinking that day when they planned out the city? The borough. But that's not normal. But you and I know, listen to me, that the East does not meet the West. And that's how far God has taken your darkness from you. We praise him because he's taken us out of the darkness. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Look at the next second phrase here. Who were... Not a people, verse 10, but now are a people of God. Here's what I want you to see. We are to praise him for giving us hope as a people. Here's, here's what he's talking about. He's talking about, about the difference between Jews and Gentiles. He's talking about with Jews, they had this hope that they were going to be with God because they were the people of God. So they had a hope. But you and I, who were Gentiles, we had no hope. And we're to praise him because in our past condition, yeah, we had no hope. We're going to hell. But now, listen to me, because of Jesus, I don't care what your past is, I don't care what the issue is, because of Jesus, listen to me, you have a hope. He's given you hope as a people. Listen to me, the greater whole needs to understand, the church needs to understand, we're more than a service, we are a group of people who gather together, who worship a God who gave us a hope. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who took us out of darkness and gave us a hope. Here's the third thing. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Here's what I want you to see. We're to praise him for his mercy that was freely given. We're humans. We live with regrets. And regrets are, they're real, aren't they? Now, when you're younger, you maybe don't have as many regrets. When you get older... You like to think, boy, we, I wish you could go back and change. I think I would do things differently. You ever made those kind of statements? I would, I would have made it, I would have changed, done things differently there. You know, we wrestle with those things. And we're not going to talk about whether that's true or not, if you could be able to do that, because that's not, that possibility does not exist. But here's what I want you to see. Regrets are real. And we carry the burden of the regrets from the things that we wish that we somehow, and, 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 and we, and we struggle with the shame of that. Let me say that again. We struggle with the shame of that. But here's the wonderful thing about being God's special people. He gives us mercy. And he freely gives it. Freely gives it. Paul would say where sin is, grace abounds much more. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how big it was, how ugly it was. He has more grace than that. 
See, this is what we're called to, people. This is why we're, we're part of the greater whole. See, this is why you've got to get this wrong thinking out of your brain. This is how God sees you. This is how God says you should be operating. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.